Hey guys, welcome back to the Rhythm Session, brought to you as always by The Mind Refinery. I'm Kyle Bodanis. This episode, Coburn and I dive into Folklore, the latest album by Taylor Swift. We're going to see how this album stacks up against its predecessors and how isolation fueled this new creative direction. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe to the Mind Refinery podcast channel wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media. And now, here's the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Rhythm Section. I'm your host, Kyle Bodanis, and as usual, I'm with co-host, the legend himself, Coburn Blair. What's up? Joining us to talk about folklore and the evolution of Taylor Swift is Mind Refinery creative, Andrew Lanza. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So, folklore, uh, it was given, I believe, 15 hours notice on its release. This up a few weeks ago now. I think it was released on the 24th of July. Um... But it was had 1.3 million downloads over the in 24 hours, and you know it it marked a kind of vivid musical direction change for Taylor Swift. So before we get into that, I want to kind of frame this discussion by looking at you know what role does Taylor Swift play in your existence in your musical tastes? Why don't you uh, start us off, uh, Andrew Lanza? Well, um. To some people might be a surprise, but if you know me, it's definitely no surprise that I am a, a bona fide Taylor Swift fan. Um, I kind of came you a on... Swifty? Is, is that what they're called? I, I think there's like a name for them. Is that, I think it's... I, I'm, I'm not like that into it where I'm like part of a fandom, I guess. I'm like my own fan of it. Where he's like a Taylor, Taylor Swift equivalent of a furry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> like... First of all, get exposed. Thank you for that. But yeah, I mean, I came on to her like a little bit later. I he's kind of a bit, a uh, bit of a touchy subject now. But I used to be a big fan of uh, the artist Ryan Adams, and um, he put out uh, an entire cover album of 1989. And I mean, I knew some like Taylor Swift hits, like I knew like Shake It Off and whatever. But I listened to Ryan's take on it, and I, I, I loved the album. I thought, I'm like, holy shit, this is, this is absolutely fantastic. So as a fan of that entire cover album, I was like, you know what? I got to go back, and I got to listen to the source material. So I listened to Taylor Swift 1989. And just already having that kind of familiarity with it, with uh, Ryan Adams' covers, I was able to just jump right into it, and like I loved it. I loved it right off the bat. It... You know, as soon as I heard it, I went back, listened to all her old stuff and shit. And I mean, it's like the older stuff, like, I mean, Red is great before 1989, but um, the like the the kind of like the more country stuff I'm not a huge fan of. It's kind of like more Red onwards. But I remember uh, talking with, I think it was you and then Mind Refinery creative Andrew Van Eek. And I, I don't remember what it was, but we were talking about pop albums. And I remember I said Taylor Swift 1989 was a perfect pop album. And... I remember you kind of like, all right, whatever. Like you kind of rolled your eyes a little bit, but like Van Eek's like, what are you talking about? I can't, what? like, he's like, no, like Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. I'm like, yeah, man, trust me. Like, listen to it. So then I didn't see Van Eek for, I don't know, a couple weeks or whatever. And I remember him and I were, we, we were at a bar one day after a shoot and we were just outside having a couple one, one hitters and a smoke or something. And he just looks at me. He's like, okay, so 
Taylor Swift, 1989, perfect pop album. I got to agree. So anyway, so long story short, I'm a fan. Uh, yeah, like I think like everyone else, I became kind of aware of her in like 2006 around like teardrops on my guitar. I remember playing our song a lot in the summer of 2006. And then like she kind of was always around. It wasn't like, you know, my main genre, but like I also really liked like Fearless. I loved the... Uh, white horses and obviously love story and then i think i kind of like wasn't really paying attention to her for a while and then red came out and then like i guess 1989 so like i've always been aware of her and like kind of like been there for the big singles and and kind of some of her big moments um but yeah i think she definitely has like earned her place in her like her stardom and like you know there's always kind of like something kind of surrounding her like i think most late recently it was like label struggles or something with scooter Braun buying her like catalog but uh she's always been someone to pay attention to i think let any negative comments that i'm putting out there about taylor swift be like kept in perspective because that's uh what this is about especially of her more you know fervent uh members of her fan base uh her talent as a singer and a songwriter you know they've never really been in, in question i feel she was prodigiously talented uh right from the beginning and she was you know lucky enough to get in with good people around her to help bring that out which kind of broke her into that you know country scene uh initially you know her it's kind of her career is kind of embodied both sides of my musical taste i mean i've always tried to listen to big records dropping even if i wasn't into the artist because you know you really can't dismiss something until you know you've taken it into account and also in the back of my head there's this like punk rock knowing your enemy type asshole thinking as well you know because like i don't want people to be like you know well did you listen to it and i said no because that fucking annoys me anyways like her early country exactly music, like you know her, how many people talk shit and they don't listen exactly her early i, I fucking hate that because like what's the point her early country music you know offerings were more like particularly the fearless era you know uh, which is a massive album in its own right, like the like getting critically noticed, uh, awards noticed. You know, it had that like new country production vibe. You know, that earnest, bright, uh, teenage love, wear your heart on your sleeve kind of thing. And it really, it was completely connected to her audience, but it, like was never something that I got connected to. And I found. I kind of I kind of feel like Ryan Adams was also the gateway drug into Taylor Swift because I I mean obviously Ryan Adams uh, now found out to be a bag of shit uh, just so we're clear Giant and I, piece of shit yeah um, but uh, you know 1989 I started listening to it and I'm like this is pretty good but like it's like and this was really her first f where the album was fully inserted into the mainstream pop world uh, for me it was just like a little too bouncy, a little too, I mean, cheery. I mean, I could understand the skill for, you know, the skill where it's coming out of, but I never, it never felt like something I could be a part of. But I think, honestly, this album is the first one that I've really sat and enjoyed where I'm not trying to, like, objectively look at um, why it's good. I'm more completely immersed in it and enjoying it. And it was really, really, really good. And I mean, I'll obviously be unfolding kind of, you know, more of my thoughts on it, but it's, it, it's really kind of the, I guess the part that made me 
look even more into these things. As soon as I heard, it, I'm like, we gotta, we gotta do the cast. I mean, obviously, we should do. Yeah, it you texted, you texted me like I'm, the next day. Yeah, like, and gotta, I, and we gotta listen, do the cast she, on this. She's a notable artist who we should be doing the cast on yesterday. But I was like enthusiastic to do it rather than it was gonna be dredging and listening to her back catalog and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, mm-hmm. what you, what were your initial impressions of folklore? Um. Well, on a on a first listen, I just thought it was honestly a beautiful, beautiful album. There's just you know like the just very lush sounds and and the, like the songwriting's like super tight on it uh for the most part i just i i think i think it was just one of those listens where i just you know really really enjoyed it on a first listen and i uh, you can just kind of see that mature like the sound i mean i'm sure we're probably gonna say it a million times but like like the, the sound matured on that album like you you can just hear it all the way through love the production on it um i mean i can talk about uh the producer uh jack antonoff all day dude's insanely popular uh, sorry insanely talented in his own right like i used to be a fan of this guy you know he's, he was in like steel train he was in fun he's in his solo project now um he's got bleachers and he's been with taylor since uh 1989 and i feel like that is a i feel like if they didn't meet up i don't think that i would be as big of a fan as i am now um, his like songwriting and his sound and like his you know his DNA is just all over uh, nineteen eighty nine through to this album and you know it's th- it's this album again is you can you can hear him all the way through, but it's almost like Taylor Swift was like, hey let's let's like wh- like what does Andrew Lanza want to hear on this album? It's like oh you like Jack Antonoff? Boom, he's producing again. Oh you like Bonnie Vare? Boom, we 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 got him doing a solo verse, and and just like the like like the sound kind of as I said, you know, maturing, becoming a little more, uh, you know, venturing more into the indie pop space. Um, sorry, like the uh, kind of like more indie rock of the of the uh, pop space. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Just overall, I, I I really really dug the album just initially, and and it's only grown on me since, to be honest. And I've had it on heavy heavy rotation since it's come out. Yeah, I think like um, working with. Aaron Desner from The National, I thought like he contributed a lot to the album, like for, for me. And I think mm-hmm. that like you, you kind of have like a big Red Machine reunion with Justin Vernon on like uh, on Exile. You have like, I feel like as a fan of The National too, you have a lot of their DNA in this album as well as uh, Jack Antonoff's. Um, and I think it just meshes really well with Taylor Swift. And I think like it provides like kind of cover i think this is a perfect fall album and i know it came out like in the peak of the summer the peak of yes, coronavirus yes. but like no i this think album, so. I I just that's wanna, spot on yeah i just want to listen to it like a, like at a lake i, I want to crunch like some that. yeah i want to crunch some leaves while listening to that album yeah like yeah you know what I, okay have you ever heard the uh i think it's pass and pending by uh the shins no i don't i don't think i've heard it one. Okay, I would listen to it because, like, this whole record gives me that vibe. It's, like, this very much... It's not sad, but bittersweet. And, I mean, like... Okay. Uh, so, let me... Were you done, Cobra? I just don't want to... Because uh, I, I, yeah, I have some ahead. ideas to unpack here. Okay, so I think this record is objectively a really, like, great. I mean, as I said, I'm going to unpack that. But I feel it's far and away better than anything she's put out before by some measure and absolutely and all that promise as a singer and songwriter was always there and i mean coburn we talked about uh amine and his album limbo and you know what growing up can mean to the music and how it's affected but like taylor swift has aged incredibly well as an artist you know this is she's making her best music right now uh so she recorded and you know she wrote and recorded this in the whole isolation because of covid 
And I think the solitude served her well. And there's this great tradition of American singer songwriters who have utilized isolation as a creative inspiration. And uh, I absolutely love that this is what she did. Uh, it makes complete sense that this is both Jack Antonoff and fucking Aaron Desner because it has the sheen that, you know, Antonoff brings uh, to it, the that production and, you know, songwriting um you know pedigree but aaron desner i think really informs the tone of this mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh the moodiness like you can feel how this would be you know produced co-produced by someone from the fucking national uh that's what i do love about it you know as as you were saying coburn you know it's quiet it's sparse it's solitary uh, it's a piece of Americana that has that she hasn't like been able to achieve yet, even in her country days. So like to me, this channels a memory of records like the same feeling it gives me is like Illinois by Sufjan Stevens, uh, Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen. Just this idea of this album written in isolation and how it turned out compared to her previous works, where like the narrative is surrounded by like this bittersweetness caused by lingering feelings of you know lost love and even the release and promotion of this album was understated so i, I and i'm not sure why if that was because it was self-conscious or she wanted to exhibit a more somber tone amidst the coronavirus situation not like hey fucking promote the hell out of this shit you know these aren't new subjects to her but like it definitely feels like emotionally naked and i think that maybe that solitude is what really brought out that because this is objectively a great record i do believe that yeah i think for me this record somehow like yeah i think sufion's a really good uh comparison that's what i had as well but like i think like tracks like cardigan too there's like a weird echoing of like uh, lana del rey and so for i think it kind sure. of like yeah, meets sure. right in the middle between those two at least for me in terms of like tone uh timber and like just the character and the world building kind of that she does on the record, like the, the, even the subject matter too, reminds me a lot of like these sparse kind of moments of like love and loss, uh, really, really highlighted like Sufjan to me. Yeah. I, I could definitely hear, um, that definitely like the Sufjan influence, definitely the Lana Del Rey influence. I think more of maybe like Lana, Lana's earlier career. I felt yeah, more on the, the album. Close to born, uh, like born to die. Born to Die and like Ultra Violence, I, I feel like there's a little Ultra Violence on there too. Um, I mean, our our boy Fantano definitely uh, pointed that out on on YouTube about the uh, the the Lana Del Rey and one hundred percent something I was thinking, but um, I I agree definitely uh, the, 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 those two artists you can definitely hear their inspiration. In our notes here, Coburn, it says sounds like what Lana Del Rey should be making. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think I put that there. I think it sounds yeah. like because like her new project. I, I, I'm, I, I'm not meaning to gaslight you. I just I had to. I wanted your take on this. Yeah, I just think like I I didn't like end up getting through it, but like Lana Del Rey's new project was like some kind of like acoustic. I don't know, not acoustic. I, don't I couldn't know, get like through it either. Poetry or something. <laughs> no, 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 I'm like, like four tracks and I'm like fuck it. Yeah, so I just kind of gave up on that. I was like, this is like the album that like Lana should like kind of come back to. Like, this is like I know she has it like in her ability to kind of make an album like this as well. So I was like, this is what she should have made instead of whatever bullshit she put out. See, I think Taylor Swift working in this kind of environment, you know, in this kind of like headspace. I mean, like it kind of like it kind of out Lana Del Rey's out uh, Lana Del Rey because. I think Taylor Swift's uh, songwriting uh, talent 
um, even from a young age, uh, as I said earlier, was, you know, prodigious. And um, it's it's kind of the, her ability. I mean, you see that in her ability to go from genre to genre and kind of express. I mean, I, I, she kind of, you know, on her first records, you know, culminating in the you know, Fearless. F- from a sound point of view, I think she got to a point where she's like, I don't know if I want to just be known as this and started moving into pop and electronic, uh, maybe ill-advised, uh, like wannabe Skrillex type shit as well, uh, which I didn't kind of like. Are you talking about like reputation? Yeah, yeah I can't. Um, oh, reputation is rough. Yeah, it was like weird um, trap influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, where the fuck? I'm like, what trap house in Chicago do they make this in? I, uh, I'm not gonna lie though, there are some really good tracks on it though. I, I, I really do like some tracks on, on, uh, on Reputation. But overall, yeah, that's, that's probably the weakest one for me. I think. So, I, okay, so let's talk about tracks, favorite moments. Coburn, I know uh, you were talking about Cardigan earlier. So, what were our favorite tracks uh, on this album? Yeah, I think uh, Cardigan is definitely a standout for me. Um, I, I didn't love exile with bon Iver on it and i was i was expecting like a different kind of sound from bon Iver, i think on it i don't, I don't know it, it wasn't like i was like oh taylor swift and bon Iver on this album is going to be like an instant classic and for me it was like it's a good song it's not like a bad song it's just like i wasn't like i wasn't blown away by it especially like hearing bon Iver as a feature which i love him as a feature it just didn't like blow me away and then uh, my tears ricochet like track five i thought sounded like an updated version of like some of her older work and just like a more like maturity brought to like some of her older work and then i think um seven that song reminded me most of sifion that is my that's my favorite track on the album seven seven yes i have this is my favorite track too it is i go my notes say it's like sufjan swift uh which it which it does because i mean she starts, she's talking about like a swing in her home, you know, state of Pennsylvania and flying over it and it being underneath her and this like yearning for home and what it means. Can and... we, can we add this to uh Sufjan's 50 state project? Yes, yeah. we can finally, uh, would he, he's, <laughs> now he's be number three. He's finally three in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I th- Honestly, I, I think, I think seven is, is just a gorgeous song. Like it's like ethereal. It's dreamy. Like, I, like, like like the vocals are just so uh, like they're just so warm i don't know i've listened to this track on every time i listen to it on headphones it just like takes over everything i'm doing like i this is I one of those fall so this is one of those fall songs that uh fall also has this you know like idea of transition and moving on and thinking about things you know as people go to different places in their, you know, especially, we you know, being young, you start, you associate that with like school and then going to college and all this kind of stuff. And it brings like those ideas out. And I just thought it was so well done and so well textured and had this, like, mm-hmm. m- instead of, you know, relying on uh, one of my other favorite tracks on it, the one, the opener, where it's more of this percussive clunky piano sound on purpose and sounds incredible, but it's more like these mournful, you know, melodies with this more percussive acoustic guitar underneath it. And I just really thought it was great. It's totally, I think could be out of something like Illinois. Um, and then, as I mentioned, uh, the one, I mean, the opener is kind of like a thesis statement for the whole thing, right. To what the album is about and how it's going to like tackle love and Sonic and it's Sonic accompaniment, uh, you know, right from the beginning, the first chords on the piano, you know, are what you're going to hear. It's, it's, it's softer. Sets a tone it's, for sure. Yeah. It's more, 
you know, it's more understated. It's more whispery. It's more intimate. It's almost like something that's supposed to be whispered uh, into someone's ear rather than, you know, bombastic or super poppy. Uh, and there's these little electronic blips in it sprinkled in for texture. And it's just, it's so, it's like so simple and nice, but it's something that anybody who's had previous relationships and stuff where, you know, it's not like it was bad, but it went on, you know, but it ended and it has at least considered sometime as their, you know, romantic narrative kind of continued. And it was really, it's one of those things where, you know, why it's, it's a reason why simple songs can be expressive too. Yeah. And, and to take that fall metaphor, even a, a step further, I think is, you almost see uh, Taylor entering like the, you know, the, the fall of her life, right? Like if you kind of like think of a life as like, you know, kind of seasons, um, she's like entering this, this kind of like, you know, she's, she's past, you know, being a teenager. She's, how, how old is she now? She's, she's 89. So she's uh 32. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she, I mean, she's in her thirties. Um, she, so she's like, you know, she's, she's not, she's not like a, like a, you know, a super young artist anymore. She's not a new artist. So I think that's almost kind of like, um, you know, a metaphor for, for her career almost. And I, I think this trajectory is going to be, I, if she continues along this trajectory, I'm, I'd, I'd be really, really excited to see where it's going to take us. Um, but as far as tracks go, I mean, you guys have talked about it. Um, for, for, for me, it's, it's, um, it's exile and uh, followed by seven, but I also really liked uh, the track Mirrorball. Um, what I thought, was, yeah, it, that's it, it's a really cool track. It's like the lyrics. I don't know if you guys like really listen to the lyrics, but like the lyrics are like very like they're like a like they're a little fucked up. Um, and I, I've I've mentioned it on the um, Run the Jewels podcast where. I don't know. There's like this and the new Phoebe Bridgers album have kind of been like on heavy rotation for me. And I don't know. They're almost like kind of like two halves of a whole for me um, in the way that like they're, they're both very similar, but they're also also both at the same time, very different. And there's uh, Phoebe has a track called uh, moon song on her album Punisher where like moon song and mirror ball are very uh, they, they don't sound the same, but they're, they have the same vibe and like the structure and the lyrics are very, very similar. So I, I don't know what it is, but it's just like those two albums for me is, um, have just been kind of, as I said, this kind of like two sides of a coin, like, like, like two halves of a whole for me, um, in kind of like my listening, uh, over the last, uh, couple of weeks. And I, I just got back from the cottage and like both those albums for me have been like, like those were, I had some like really, really good experiences listening to both those albums like at the cottage so i can't wait for fall though uh so that's that, that that's on the tesla that that's when we'll see how this album sounds in the fall i guess did did you guys get the the kind of trilogy of songs and the storytelling that she did with uh betty cardigan in august like there's like a kind of background story running about this uh 17 year old guy who uh i think his name is james and he cheats on betty and like um the songs are all about kind of their relationship no, I didn't get that. No, I did not. Yeah, I was like, I was reading some reviews, and I also like heard it when I was talking about. It, but they kind of talk about how each song kind of tells a different piece of the story, and uh, Cardigan, I think, is from from uh, James's perspective, and then Betty's like Betty's perspective, and then it kind of ends. Even though the songs are kind of all sparse differently on the album, but it ends with August. So it's the third piece of it. 
but I thought it was a really cool like way to do storytelling and interconnect the albums with each other. Well, I think I think the storytelling is really off the charts on it, you know, like that. I, I like I think that it's I mean, I okay, so I guess we're kind of moving into so like the album is kind of a marked we we've said it, you know, a maturation of her sound and writing. Uh so you know, how does it feel against her previous works, you know? Uh how's the difference in tone? You know, what are the difference in tone that kind of thing? Um I think that that storytelling and the that um telling stories about people in this more somber uh way of 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 emoting um you know it kind of like under it's understated and it trades in you know so you know it's sorrow and reflection rather than angst and i so i compared it to something like nebraska because you know nebraska is a bruce springsteen record that uh listen i'm not really into bruce springsteen i've seen him live uh the the man is uh one of the hardest working men in showbiz talented but i was never really into that um that bigger band um you know sound of you know of the e street band and you know and uh darkness on the edge of town and especially born in the usa so what springsteen did was he just hold himself up in his apartment with an eight track recorder and just banged out nebraska and it's about a lot of it is oh, cool. about i didn't know that a lot of it is about this uh serial killer who gets executed and who is being chased by the cops and there's uh state trooper is a song about like it's this 12 bar blues thing about this him telling this state trooper in his head not to pull him over because he doesn't want to have to murder him uh, even because he thinks he has a family and it's like different storytelling ideas but it's more about the destitute and the forlorn in america whereas this is like about heartbreak in america and home and the idea of the solitude bringing that out this is why i think it's more of an unvarnished version of what she's doing because i think that her pop albums you know which you know with began with i believe red and then you know really kind of fully converted in 1989 um they're more of the times and of the zeitgeist and i feel like that move is more calculated uh based to, to try to move her into the mainstream flirting with electronic music um that kind of thing so this for me is a more unvarnished version of what she brings out and when she's left to more her own devices this is what she comes out of and also part of it could be the context of writing amidst the global pandemic you don't feel happy and cheery because you know the world is kind of on you know on fire around you but i just really thought this idea the idea of writing in a solitary fashion maybe think of people again like sufjan stevens who wrote a lot of illinois by himself um and the greats all do that they all kind of go off uh, you know, Joan Baez, Bob Dylan doing their going out in the woods solitary albums. And I just really, it kind of, the tone of it and that whole situation really kind of pushed this into my arms. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. That was a good, that was a great point. Yeah. I think that was you, I think you kind of summed it up and I think that, uh, yeah. Did I, I, this... did I sum up the tone? Coburn, you got to throw it at me. Yeah, I think you. Uh, I think you summed up the tone of the album, and I think you summed up like, you know, how it resonates, and like, you know, I think it's also one thing to be Taylor Swift and to be like this global mega pop star, but be able to capture an album that doesn't sound out of uh, out of touch, right? Because it's like, 
I'm sure she's doing quarantine or whatever too, but her quarantine's not like you know the average person's quarantine. So to be able to exactly her millions true, of yeah. dollars, I'm sure probably helped a little bit. Yeah, like, like there's a... there's a disease going on. <laughs> yeah, to to, able to be, uh, make an album that kind of can resonate and kind of feels appropriate for now, and also doesn't feel like super gimmicky or super out of touch. Is, I think it's there's a quality in that, and it's something special. Yeah, I I think also um, you kind of mentioned Kyle how uh, some of those earlier um, more pop albums were products of the times. While I think this one will probably be a little more timeless. Like I I, I don't know what's in store for for Taylor, but like I don't know if she's you know has one more album in her. She has another thirty albums in her. But to me, I think this one's going to go down as as definitely one of her better ones. I I, I think it'll stand the test of time. So I'm going to throw this out there. If those pop movements were calculations, then was this a calculation? I mean, sure. Yes. I, th- I think so. I think I think like, to a degree, right? It's like as much as like she goes and does her bigger albums and like pulls like a Kendrick feature or pulls wherever it can kind of make the EDM kind of inspired <laughs> Kendrick stuff. Kendrick feature. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> which she, she references that the song on the album, which I thought was great. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, as much as like she kind of like is with the times, this is a little bit like it steps back. But like in that the step back, it's kind of like, hey, I'm gonna intentionally do this indie album on a big scale, but it's also a small scale. And I think that like it counts for something, right? Because you know that music has a bit more resonance than like you know a country artist doing a pop album or a country artist doing like rap crossovers or whatever. Like this album feels a bit more personal, a bit more like honed in than some of those other features could ever sound. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of them sounded like they were purposely meant to be a crossover rather than they were just something creative that that individual wanted to do. It's hard, though, because, I don't know, like, what are your guys' thoughts on, like, for example, someone who is, um, like, people, a person who's a master of this is Beck. Beck is like, I'm making a, a soul, um, f- you know, a funkier soul record, like, you know midnight vultures or something like that and he's like oh i'm gonna do a more electronic record like the information or epro yeah yeah yeah, 100 percent. and then you're getting into something that is a little bit more hip-hop oriented like uh odelay um where there's like straight up like you know some really uh hip-hop influenced things like do you have a do you have an issue with that calculation do you find that unnatural or do you think that's part of some people's artistic expression I think as long as the artist is treating the like their new genre or however you want to put it, like as as long as they're treating that genre with respect, it's like yeah, fuck, do whatever you want. Like why paint yourself in a box? Like I'm only, you know, a metal band or I'm only, you know, I only sing country songs or whatever. Like it's it's stupid to put uh, put yourself into a in, into a box. And like as long as you know you're doing it with if you're gonna collaborate with people, collaborate with you know people that know what they're doing within the confines of that genre and treat it with respect and then yeah just go off yeah i agree like if you can make an album that sounds like however you want if you want to put touches of soul on it you want to put an r&b spin on it and you can do it without it sounding like a departure i don't think anyone has usually anything to say at the end of the day right because they hear the album they say the album's good or it's bad or it doesn't fit or it does fit you know so if, if you can do it in a way that's intentional and that doesn't feel like a massive departure where you're forcing it down the throats or you're, you're just kind of, you know, using the sound of the time to get, it's not gimmicky. Across. Like yeah. don't make it gimmicky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
like it needs to be good like uh snoop dog making a reggae record snoop lion that's honestly the <laughs> first thing that came to my mind when you said it terrible Coburn, are you're not on the snoop lion train are you? oh you know i'm a snoop lion fan <laughs> <laughs> that is fucking awesome okay so like here's so here's what i have written here okay um i go is Kyle, in parentheses, me, thank you, Pot, overreaching when he says Folklore is far and away her best album? Like, I don't think it's close. Like, seriously, which one would be close? Lanza, come at me. Discuss. No, if 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 you're <laughs> saying it's not her best album, you're objectively incorrect. <laughs> well, Coburn's going to fucking completely disagree. Coburn, what do you think? I, I mean, I think it's like, it's it's a little soon. And I, I can see why, like, it would be there, like, obviously in her best albums. Like, I It is soon. You know what? Like, that is an it, that's interesting. Yes. Yes. Like, it's Continue. soon for me. And I think, like, you know, there's something to be said for her, like, early works and, like, her writing as a teenager and kind of writing these, like, really, like, expansive. Didn't she like, have a lot songs. of help, though, with all those, like, older songs? I feel like she had, like, a solid backing behind her with those original original albums i'm not i'm not i'm not discrediting her talent at all i'm just saying i think she surrounded herself with a lot of people at that time my only thing with that criticism though is like how many it's there's so many people who were like that person is fucking amazing and they definitely don't write their own songs it's like when you're a six 17 year old it you can have all these things written on paper but like you kind of need someone to help you process that and like i think like it depends on what the role of the producer is you know what i mean my i guess my thing is is that her talent unless someone helped her with this a lot then her talent has made the necessary through line for me to not think she was completely manufactured yeah like, i think like it was pretty authentic like you know like i look at like, look at the credits for like our song it's like just her composing it her her writing it she has usually maybe like she wrote a lot with Liz Rose um, for her debut project. Uh, it's not too many people like look like in the rooms with her writing these songs. She's just not like unless there's ghostwriters involved. Like it doesn't seem like she's like, you know, a massive like Justin Bieber type like child prodigy where there's like a lot of backing. So it seems like to be somewhat authentic to like who she is. And like I think, like you said, there's a through line, I think, between that, that early stuff and this stuff. And it doesn't feel like she's kind of like, you know, uh, reoriented herself between the two, like the two bodies of work. No, there's definitely a through. You're, you're. I, I gotta agree with you. There is a through line, one hundred percent. Like every album sounds like a Taylor Swift album. You know what I mean? Maybe some parts of Reputation, not so much. But yeah, <laughs> um, sounds so, like a, some parts of Reputation, like a Skrillex album. Yeah. So Coburn, I, you, you didn't answer the question though. Is this her best album? Yes or no? I mean, I'm going to say, like, it's definitely up there. Like, maybe I might put Red there for myself right now. Dude, Red's good. Red's fucking good. And, like, it's, it's in my unlistenable era. Continue. Yeah. What? <laughs> I can't. Dude, I'll explain when Coburn is done speaking, but yes, I, I don't want to cloud the issue. Continue. Like, I'd say it's early, but, like, I think this is, like, definitely going to go down among her best bodies of work. I agree. Yeah, maybe it's if it's not like number one, and maybe it's two. Then in my mind, I think early is a good criticism because, I mean, again, this is staying power. Like, I think if you had asked me when I was like nineteen, like 
best records and favorite records. It's like Led Zeppelin and stuff is in there. But if you ask me now, it's completely different. And I think your taste change and is it taste proof? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, is it, it's like it's like it, are, are the Bouncing Souls the greatest punk band of all time? Probably not. But I thought that at the time. It, precisely. I ditto on like Pennywise. Uh, okay, em. no, Pennywise. <laughs> Come on, Pennywise is fucking so good. Anyways, if you're, you can go listen to whatever the not cool shit is over there at Lance's house. Uh, I think that uh, except Bouncy Souls is fucking amazing, but not the best punk band of all time. Uh, no, see, with like that, I'm like, oh, the fucking Stooges. But anyways, if we're calling them that, and then now, see, this is a whole other fucking podcast we open up now. Thanks, Lance. You. A guy on his report card definitely had distracting to others on it. Oh my god, yes. I had yeah. to sit. I had to sit, like, by myself <laughs> from the ages of, like, seven until, like, 13. Oh, yeah. I had to, like, sit by myself because I was a disruption. I think, but I, I think you're right, though, Coburn, because it's like, it has to, it has to stand the test of something. Like, the test of, it can't stand the test of three weeks. Of course, of course. Right? I th- Like, I think that's totally, uh... But, the, but we are, valid. I mean, we are, like, we're reviewing this album, right? It's like, we are looking in, looking at it at the lens of right now. And it's like, yeah, in 10 years, we, you know, we could think this album's terrible for sure. But I don't know. I have a feeling. I don't see that happening. And yeah, also exactly. looking at Reputation and seeing that there's a future record on Reputation. And, like, that's definitely, like, out of the running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Although, re- we haven't re- talked about, we haven't talked about to. Lover, though. And I, you know what? I, I dug Lover. I, I could kind of see... I saw this trajectory during Reputation. I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, don't get me wrong. I still listen to the shit out of that album. But I don't know. I, I, I dug out. I, I dug Lover. I, I thought Lover was, was a solid was a solid effort. And, you know, I could kind of see where she was heading. And I'm glad that it took us to Folklore. Yeah. I think that makes sense, too, right? Like, I think you kind of need, like, that's the other thing I think. It's like, you can't really have this album without having her previous body of work there. You know, like, I don't think you come out and just make this album. I think this album is, like, kind of a continuation of her story. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, the song Lover, the title track, I was kind of like, this is a really, really good song because it's just infinitely more intimate. When, like, she says Lover and it's all wispy, and I'm like, calm down, my wife is in the next room. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, come on. I'm like, this is... I'm like, this is, you're, you're breaking my heart here. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, there's some really good tracks, like Cordelia Street on that album and shit. Like, yeah, really and good I, tracks. And, but I think Red actually now, like, other than this one, I would have to and get, make it enduring only because, not only because, there's, there's great tracks on it. It's just like how, given what her career was and the fervent country fan she had at that point, especially younger ones, and then she begins making that pop move, right? So you risk alienating a lot of people. And in the end, she just increased her fan base. So, like, again, I kind of always mention that thematically as a way to kind of uh, look at the greats and what they're doing. This idea of chopping your own sound down and then rebuilding it back up, whether it's calculated or not, that just the sheer decision to do that, no matter who you have, it's like when fucking Chris Cornell like did the Jerry that fucking Billy Jean cover. I'm just mm-hmm. like, dude, uh, you know what? I love fucking Soundgarden. Love them. Fuck Audio Slave. Uh, but like, I fucking love Soundgarden. What? I Fuck don't... Audio Slave. 
fuck you if you like audio slave i mean i don't love them i don't like dis- no i don't dislike audio slave i don't want to hear rage garden i, I just <laughs> i just, but like it's just it, but at this at the same time and i fucking am a fervent Soundgarden fan like fucking but i'm like dude what do you like it it takes balls he got a like, timber like timbaland produced a record by him and it just didn't work out like that could happen although she was a little bit more like in the mainstream pop lexicon so I mean, and when you have 14-year-old girls, you know, waiting to hear your album and it's dung and they don't like it, it's like that can be bad. You know what I mean? That well, I mean, be- 14-year-old girls, yes, but also, like, don't forget, like, these girls that were 14, like, like they, they've grown up with Taylor and it's like, you know, like, like that's what kind of the fan base is expecting now you know what i mean i'm sure but they're 14... expecting it now but i guess my point was is that at the time red it takes oh red ba- yeah sorry yeah man, it takes it, it, it takes balls to do that you know yeah, what i mean so sure. that's oh, why it always does that's always why does. i think you got to give you got to pour one out for my homie red because um it's it, it's it is fantastic can, can we agree that this uh album made us forget about her uh role in cats dude no. i just watched cats oh, i just watched it on purpose and watch it all the way through. Why? Okay, can, can, I thought can it was sidebar? Pet Cemetery. Can we sidebar for a second about this? I was so I watched this with some friends. Um this we've is been going doing in the like pod. Oh, absolutely. How okay. high were you? Like it, numbers don't go that high. If if it's added if it's added 10, like 420 out of 10. Um I took a couple edibles, I hit some dabs. It was it was a disaster. But anyway, so we've been doing this thing over quarantine. Actually, we've been doing it before where we like all get into like a discord chat or like a playstation party chat and we uh watch a movie together and i mean generally it's like pretty like we stay pretty quiet like you know there's people are throwing out little comments here or there but like we're respecting and we're watching the movie so we decided to watch cats and now when i tell you it was a bad movie like i love a good bad movie i love the room i love like troll 2 like a good bad movie is fantastic this movie had absolutely no redeeming qualities to it. It was a hot pile of garbage, and it was like two hours long. Nothing was good. So you're, si- you're saying it needs a director's cut. Is That's all I'm hearing. Zack Snyder needs to make an improved cut on it. <laughs> I was about to say. Anyway, side, sidebar over. Um, the whole, there, was, there were some times where, though, though where we're like, that shot would have been perfect with a butthole in it. <laughs> release ha, ha, hashtag release the the butthole, the butthole cut. cut. The butthole. <laughs> Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber himself said it was the most ridiculous thing he's ever seen in not a good way. Has he seen his other work? Yeah, I know. Has he seen Jesus Christ Superstar? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. saw. I remember I saw like the eighties Cats or whatever. Like, uh, like I remember in high school, and I was like, this is whack. But this this what <laughs> this this wasn't whack. This was like bad to the next level. And I'm sorry, the music is garbage. Remember they had to do the VFX again? Oh, yeah, because they, they had to like get rid of the her, buttholes. Yeah, how did it, can someone power windows those fucking buttholes out, please? Um, yeah. So basically, could, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up, Cobra. They're, they're tracking. They're tracking. And the she's button. not. And, and she's not forgiven for that. Nothing is. No, 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 no one. No one affiliated with that project is. Forgiven. Well, who fucking let her do it? Doesn't she have? Isn't Idris Elba in it too? Oh, Idris dude. Elba's in it. Okay, he oh, was yeah, like, he's in it. Stringer Bell, Stringer oh. Cat. He was like, I just fired my agent after that. Like, how? How do you? He was the least objectionable part of the movie, and he was still terrible. 
Because he's good, man. He I hope he got a James... bag of money for that. That's how you know he should be James Bond. That he fucking is just the. You're like, fuck. I don't hate this guy because of cats. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean I I hated him, but just less than everybody else. But yeah, yeah. There was like that Idris. There was that you know Idris Elba fucking landing that you know he stuck the landing. Like Dude a was cat. ripped as fuck. Dude, this guy is. He was shredded. He was guy, a shredded cat. This guy is fucking money nonstop. Anyways, we're digressing. Hardcore. So. The... <laughs> So what I want to know here, I, guys, I blame Coburn. I've he's he's the fucking he's a habitual line stepper. He's the point guard of uh, going off track. Uh, just ball distributions off the off the charts. Uh, first of all, can this be uh, a gateway drug for Taylor Swift? I absolutely think it can. Yeah, I think I think so. I think that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. It's a, the through a line, right? Like I think you go back to listen to her earlier stuff, and you can hear the progression of the songwriting and you can hear the themes and you can hear like i think the themes kind of like open up and get a little bit less a little bit looser and they kind of like change shape a little bit because i think this mm-hmm. is very tight and very focused and um yeah just like it completes the picture i think it is a very tight album actually like how, how long is it actually let me see here it is it's an hour and three minutes long like it does not feel that long at all it flies by as we're, we're t- we were talking about the limbo, we were recording the you know the limbo uh, Amine thing yesterday, and we're like, can he shave tracks at forty four minutes? And this is yeah. an hour tight, you know what I mean? Like it's pretty good. But as far as gateway drugs, I mean, I think for sure it's the easiest. Like for, if somebody you know has the standard, like yeah, I've heard Shake It Off, like you know what I mean? They've heard the hits. It's it's definitely an easy sell as far as like, hey, trust me, like you're gonna like this album, like give this album a shot. Um, I don't know necessarily if that'll like parlay into like a new fan where they'll go through and listen to all the the albums. They're, they might be a little like, like for sure, as we said, there is a through line that that runs all the way through where like every album is a Taylor Swift album. But it's like if you're kind of looking for more of this sound, there are glimpses of it on other albums. But like, I don't know if it's going to convert the average listener into like a Taylor Swift fan. That's the only thing. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. I also like this is an album that you can give to somebody who has heard of Taylor Swift, hates Taylor Swift, thinks Taylor Swift is awful and is like whatever, and you'll give this this album to them and they'll be like, "Oh wow, this is not what I thought Taylor Swift was." And don't even tell them it's Taylor Swift. I bet yeah. you they'd be like, "What?" Like who? I mean, this? you could tell by that voice though from a mile away. Yeah, I mean, not that every, that that not, breathy. Not that. everyone feels her sirens call like you do though. Oh, um, it's bad. <laughs> um. I <laughs> know. Uh, I think I think that's complete spot. And so, if we're looking at this, uh, I want to what everyone's final thoughts are on the patented uh, mind refinery, uh, the rhythm section cog uh, rating list out of ten. What would you give this, Andrew Lanza? I would give this an eight, like a solid, just even eight. Um, I think it's her best album, I think. And, like, this is, like, an 8 overall. This isn't, like, compared to her other albums. This is, like, I, I, I truly think that this is, like, a, an 8. Like, it's a very enjoyable 8. But it's, like, I mean, if, if this is all time, I can't be putting it ridiculously high. But um, long story short, I feel like the way I can sum up this album is, like, I love it to death. Um, it's on heavy rotation. I'm going to keep listening to it. And, like, if this is the trajectory she's going on, Yes, please. You know what I mean? Let's see where this goes. Um, you know, don't remake this album for the rest of your career. But, you know, if this is kind of 
the first step of kind of like this chapter in her career, I'm I'm all for it. Like let's see let's see where it's going. I think for me, um, I'm gonna give this. I think I'd agree. I think this album is definitely an eight. I'll give it eight cogs. I think. Oh yes, eight cogs. Yes, thank you. I think you talk to TM. me, uh, maybe November twelfth or October seventeenth, and this album might be like a ten out of ten for me. <laughs> Um, good point good point i think that now you are making a case for we have to do quick like revisited episodes of our yes. reviews okay yeah we need to have okay 100 percent. we need to like re reevaluate this album like late october We're go- we gotta have a like where are they now album fucking <laughs> segment I gotta have some like leather boots on and like a hoodie and like maybe like another jacket <laughs> on top of that. A little bit like oh, a, Chris a, a pumpkin spice there. latte for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm for sure gonna just be like drinking cider till I throw up. Wait, uh, like boots on. I honestly am gonna give it a nine. Uh, nine cogs. Wow. Um, wow. This record is absolutely incredible. I really think it's fucking good. Uh, if I compare it to her other work and how I like it, it's a sixteen. Uh, uh, I think it's objectively a fantastic album. I think that um, there is a longing and there is an emotional depth to this. And okay, and her previous stuff, I feel like a lot of vitriol was aimed toward. Like it was more of a vitriol uh, aimed towards like past lovers and spurned situations, whereas this is like more of a growing up human. I'm not angry about things anymore. I can see how they were important in my life and there's a sorrow for them, but I don't want them to happen again. And it's, it's very ju- bittersweet. It is literally. And I was, this is exactly what I was saying. It's literally the most bittersweet album I've ever heard. By far, like her most, I think accessible work too, to like an older mm-hmm. audience. On that note, uh, of little Tom foolery there at the end, I think we got to go. Uh, Andrew Lance, thank you for joining us. Uh, Coburn, the host, the hostess with the most. How are you? Oh, great. Great, great, great cast with you guys. Excellent. Okay, guys. Yeah, uh, I was thanks. excited for this one. It was good. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Ow.